Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers for Blizzard Watch, and I've got both of my wonderful co-hosts with me today. First up, he's here all the time. He's the other lore writer over on Blizzard Watch, and that would be Matt Rossi. Hey, Rossi, how's it going? Hello, everybody. Uh, you know, it's it's been a weekend of fireworks and stuff up here. Canadians are different about fireworks. Really? They're, they don't set off any in your neighborhoods. They just have firework celebrations yeah and you go to them and that's it so i haven't been hearing fireworks going off constantly like when i lived in the states uh people would be setting off fireworks like from june 28th to like july 17th well, right because all the firework and, booths like open up at yeah. that point and so none of that happens here. so people like, don't get like personal fireworks to set off at home not like i mean occasionally you will hear some but not like wall-to-wall the sounds of explosions like it can be in some american towns it's just there was a my wife went down to a big celebration last night and i ended up walking out to meet her around one o'clock in the morning yeah to, so she could walk back i didn't want her to walk back in the dark by herself so that kind of thing but no like there hasn't been a lot a ton of fireworks and it's actually been kind of cool because i went i i actually kind of forgot it was july 1st and in Canada Day, Canada's you know version of Independence Day, so I went to the the uh, library yesterday, but of course it was closed. And the the like there was somebody there who worked there who was very apologetic to me because again Canada, I was like, oh no, I'm very sorry, it's closed. I'm like, no, I should have known better. And of course, since I, I've started to adopt Canadian this, I'm apologizing to her and she's apologizing <laughs> to me. And we didn't get out of there for like ten minutes, but finally I you know so that's been my weekend. Okay. And then laughing in the background there, you heard our other co-host and he would be our shaman columnist and also purveyor of all kinds of lore. That'd be Joe Perez. Hey, Joe. Well, hello there. And I think it's really funny because everything that Rossi described is very similar to where I live because we joke that Buffalo is little Canada uh, because we actually are so close to Canada. Like I can see Canada from where I am. It's like, hi, hi, fellow Canadians. Uh, it's absolutely hysterical because we don't have personal fireworks as a thing really here either. We do those like very clustered like displays in each of the townships or areas and stuff like that. And that's really it. So it's, it's hysterical to me. And because of how the holiday landed this year, we actually celebrated it as a city on Canada day. <laughs> see, so. I'm in Colorado and I'm not even like in the metro area of Colorado. I'm in the rural area of Colorado. And when there's an excuse to blow some stuff up, we blow stuff up. So <laughs> I thoroughly expect the entire week to be fireworks going off all over the place. Thankfully, I don't have any pets that might be upset about that kind of thing. But yeah, I always feel sort of bad for critters because it's just it's a week of explosions it's a week of explosions all over the place and because my house has a view of the entire valley i can see who's illegally setting off fireworks who shouldn't be (laughs) our dog heard like there's fireworks celebrations not that far away from here in collingwood my dog heard them going off and she was trying desperately to get onto our couch because our old couch she used to go under it all the time but our new couch is on the floor it doesn't have an under the couch because she was just stashing stuff under there. It was getting ridiculous. So she spent <laughs> five minutes trying to get under the couch. Poor baby. Really hard. I picked her up and she was like, I'm like, no, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, she she was not happy. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm expecting, like I said, I'm expecting fireworks all week long here, there, all over the place. Because people, if they can buy them, they will buy them and they will set them off. It's just what happens out here there's nothing better to do i guess i don't know also they're fun all right so uh i feel like i should preface this entire episode and you you should be able to get if you're listening to the show on the website you should be able to get the picture already that this show is going to be filled with spoilers not only spoilers but like all kinds of like big spoilers we're going to be talking about of course the 7.3 PTR, which launched last week as of the recording of this show. Um, There's a lot of material to cover, and a lot of it is very lore-intensive and lore-heavy, and a lot of it um, answers some questions but raises a lot more of them. 7.3, obviously, it just came out on the PTR. We aren't going to see it on live servers again for, I don't know, a couple months at least, probably, if not longer. So... 
basically what I'm saying here is if you'd like to not be spoiled on 7.3 PTR information, this is not the show to listen to. And you might want to just come back in another couple of weeks when we talk about something that isn't quite so spoiler laden. Um, However, I mean, 30 seconds after logging onto the PTR, I already wanted to start talking about all of this stuff. So how, how can you not want to? I mean, come on. <laughs> so this is your official spoiler warning. This is your, if if you want to go ahead and duck out, we're not blaming you. You could come back after it's much closer or you feel like you do want those spoilers. Come back, listen to this episode. It's cool. It'll still be there. It's on iTunes and Stitcher for whenever you want to listen to it. Moving on. Hey, guys. How about that PTR? <laughs> can I ask you, I actually wanted to ask you a question. Could you play Horde main, right? Yeah. So you went on the PTR as a Horde character, right? Uh-huh. How do you get the quest to start this whole thing? Because it's different for Alliance and Horde, and I want to know like what the Horde version is. Uh, what you do with the Horde version, you log in, and Velen pipes up in his little voice box and says, Hey, yo, time to go to Argus. Kicks a butt. Everybody report. Go go to uh, Baradon Bay. No, it's not Baradon Bay. Whatever that bay is, it's like right off the coast of Orgrimmar. He's like... Go out there to that bay and meet up with your representative or whatever. And you go out there and um, on the docks there, the docks where you sail to other places, it's the same ones that you go to when you're going to go to Vashir, right? Mm-hmm. Only it's on the other side. There's a blood elf ship and Liadrin is there. And okay. she says... Is Arathor there? Um, I can't remember if he was there or not. Because the, when you do it Alliance side... Uh, it's Varisa and Arator. Yeah, I don't think that. No, I don't think that he was no, there. Arator it was Leodrin uh, was there, and then um, oh my gosh, the mage dude. Okay, yeah, Sun Reaver, because he's on the he's on the ship, either your alliance or Horde. Right, yeah. right. Athos. Yeah, Athos. Okay, so you get there, and there's also a Draenei there who is like the representative or whatever, and Leodrin's like, we're going to work with them, and da 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 And there's no objections from either side, and she says, we're going to take you to the Exodar so that you can leave. And the boat goes to the Exodar, and it goes to the Exodar, and none of none of the guards are attacking you or anything, and Velen says straight up, hey, come inside. And you go inside, and you go down to the same spot where the Alliance goes, I guess, probably in the Chamber of Light or wherever yeah, it is. Yeah, it's the same place, yeah. Yeah, it's the same place. So it's really kind of neat as a Horde player, because this is a place that we probably shouldn't be allowed to go, but we're being allowed to go there. Um, and usually when I go to the Exodar, it's stealthed and avoiding everything. <laughs> or, in, or in a scenario in which we, you know, Or in a scenario, yeah, yeah. So, uh yeah, you get there and Velen's like, hi, I'm going to open or touch this crystal thing with me, da-da-da-da, let's make a teleporter, we're going to the ship, we're getting out of here. Um, who okay, else was, was surprised curious. that the Exodar itself wasn't actually the ship? I wasn't, only because of the, the short story, the one with Anduin in it, uh-huh. mm-hmm. which implied, when when he said to, to, you know, to Romuel to repair the ship, that always weird, rang weird to me because they said in that short story that the Exodar was as fixed as it was ever going to get. Do you remember that? Yeah. Like, and, said and it also, repaired itself as much as it could. And also, instead of saying, like, fix the ship, you know, one would have expected if they if it was going to be the Exodar, they would have said, you know, finish the Exodar or something along those lines. Because, I mean, it's its 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 own capital at this point. It deserves a proper name. You know, I don't think that that was a, an accident. Well, during that short story, though, they heard, like, the, the refugees that were outside, they heard the engines kind of come to life, and that's what made everybody really kind of on edge, was they thought that the Draenei were just going to up and take off. Yeah, and, and that's certainly what the story implies. I'm not right. trying to say this. Yeah. Right. My my thought on the matter when I was thinking about it was it wasn't going to be the Exodar because the the Naru, the one that, you know, the ship belonged to, Oros. he was dead. Yeah, he's yeah. dead. He died. Honestly, there's a weird implication in not just that story, but in a couple others, that the Exodar isn't just a ship. Yeah. The Exodar, actually, they describe it. I think it's, um, oh, I can't remember his name, the Broken, uh, the the shaman who's like the first shaman for the Draenei. Nabundu. Nabundu, yeah. He actually describes the Exodar as a friend at one point. Mm-hmm. And that made me think, we're getting a new ship. I mean, it feels to me like it's it's like the Exodar's kid. Yeah, well, you know what it reminded me of? Um, what was that that sci-fi show? Um, not, Farscape? Not, yeah, it was like Farscape when, when, you know, Talon was born. Yeah, I had a feeling like the, it, what we're looking at here is actually 
the Exodar and the other Tempest Keep satellites and the Tempest Keep itself are like living things. They're like the crystal technology well, taken to its furthest extent. Yeah. It makes sense, right? Because didn't they describe like the crystals on Argus as living things like multiple times? And if they originated at that point, then kind of makes sense, right? Like if they're, I'm I, again, I'm I'm, con- I'm not. This is based on like tangential, vague stuff they've said in stories. It's not like nowhere have they actually directly said the Exodar is alive. It's just that they've implied it heavily, and that's why I was not tremendously surprised. But I was. I mean, I thought, you know, we were going to be taking the Exodar because I think everybody thought that. I think they wanted people to think that. But it made sense that it wasn't because, I mean, if the Exodar left, then the Exodar's gone now. Do we have, a, like, the Dreni just leave? I See, mean, my, my whole thought on that was the Exodar would be repaired. It would leave to go to Argus and whatever. When we're all done with all this Argus stuff, it would come back and settle. And we'd get a revamped Draenei starting zone next expansion, which oh. would be gr- one that we could fly in. It would be nice, but I don't Wouldn't think Wouldn't it be nice? Else. It would be nice, but then the I, don't, I don't think they would ever do that it. Because and of, Silver how do you Moon. equate it? Well, yeah, but that and Silvermoon are the only vanilla zones on, you know, mm-hmm. the Eastern Kingdoms and Kalimdor that you cannot fly in. They're still instanced out, which is fine and everything. It's okay that they're instanced out. Obviously, that's Burning Crusade content or whatever. But at the same time, these are also the two oldest starting zones now because everybody else got the revamp and Cataclysm, except for these two. So, yeah. It's it's one of those things where I was like, oh, they could set themselves up nicely to do that if they wanted to do that. But I guess that's not going to happen. I'm sad a little because I, I just, really would I, have liked to have been able to fly. No, uh, yeah, I just I I have to talk about this for a few minutes because when Go you ahead. do it alliance side, when you do it alliance side, you get the same basic quest. They actually make some pointed comments like, are the horde going to come? Like some of the some people in Stormwind are like, a bit the horde aren't even going to come, and it's like, dude, chill, okay. And then you get over there, but it, when you get on the boat, it's Arator and Varisa, and they're talking to each other. And at one point, Arator is like, you know, we have to find them. And Varisa's like, your mother is fine. We will find her. And it's like, oh, my God, they are acknowledging these characters both exist and are related. It's finally, it's finally happening. We've been waiting kinda, for this. It's like Bernie Crusade when you first ran into him and he was yeah. talking about his mom and dad. I'm like, ah, OK. Yeah. So when when that happened, I'm like. They they have got to get all of these characters. They, they have to get Varisa, Alaria, Arator, and Sylvanas into a room somehow. <gasps> they have got to Can do this. Can you even imagine what that would look like? Except that Sylvanas is not on this trip, from what no, I can gather. So, not, no. But somehow, maybe at the very end of the expansion, they can have a party and Sylvanas can be there. Oh, and I mean, it can be incredibly awkward. We have to come back. If, we, if we're victorious and we come back to Azeroth, one would assume that they're going to come with us. Like, it would make sense because, I mean, that's their home technically. And if their job is done, you know, at the end of the day, all that adventuring, how long have they been away? How long have they been gone? How long have they not been had uh, the ability to lead a normal life? Can we just and now get this a is novel? This opportunity. Can we, Maybe they can come can back. I just, can I just point out here that I want a novel now of what Turalyon and Alaria have been doing with the Army of Light? Like, I want. Str- l- l- I just straight up want an Army of Light novel because obviously these guys have been out in space doing something and I would love to see, this is like the perfect opportunity for somebody to write that and put that out there and go, yeah, okay, these are the adventures that were happening because we're never going to see it in game anyway. So that's fine. You could put that in a book. It would make a really good book. Um, I'm just really overly excited here because, yeah. Uh, Rossi, you were talking about the well, no, alliance that side of things really cool. that that basically it's basically the same except for that part because you guys don't get Arator and uh and Verisa, which is fine but you know you get there it's basically all the same you you know uh Illidan's a dick um but you know it's his way the Fraxian's all we must get to help my brethren Arator is all you know we got to get to mom and dad and Verisa's all they're there chill out we'll get there it's it's just seeing it happen like actually seeing progression in like several different stories, one of them the you know Arator story, one of them the the Exodar story. Because even if we don't fix the Exodar and take it to to Argus, we still get to see it effectively have a baby ship. I mean, I don't know what the heck just happened. I'm not entirely sure how this works, but the the Vindicar got made. Um, we're up in it. There's one part where you're up in it and you're just over the Exodar. 
You're just floating over yeah, it, getting ready to go. Yeah, it's just there. It's just hovering. The and, the thing that I found cool too is when you take that jump. Um, <laughs> well, it wasn't cool. It was just like this is me being like way too enraptured by cinematics. Uh, when you make that jump from Azeroth to Argus, it goes to a cutscene or where a cutscene should be, and instead it played yeah. the Legion introduction cutscene with Varian on the ship and the whole fight and everything. And I could have escaped and gotten out of it, but I really wanted to watch it again. Yeah, it was, <laughs> so I just know, watched the whole thing because I'm like, oh, this was a good one. This is such a good one. <laughs> yeah, I, I have felt really weird about that cinematic for a long time. Not that it's bad. It's actually very good. It's just one of those situations where the guy on the box, like, effectively, the the it set up Varian to be like this big character in the expansion, and then he wasn't, and it's kind of like I like to of... think that it was kind of his swan song when they played that when they played that cinematic at BlizzCon. Um, I legit thought for a minute there that we were about to watch Varian Ren die like on screen, just like they were just going to lay that out there for us. And then he came up out of the water and it was this yes moment. Right. Um, but I was, I was terrified that we were going, cause the whole thing had this air of finality about it. It was, it was kind of like Varian's swan song, almost like yeah, his last words to his son. That. And you know, that was later reflected in, in the pre, well, the pre expansion, you know, event thing that went on. Mm-hmm it was reflected in that and then we lost him entirely and i felt kind of bad about that but at the same time it was like well he kind of got to say everything that he wanted to say in the context of that cinematic so yeah but i mean once you get through that cinematic you get to actually see argus for the first time (sighs) and first off i mean it's so weird to see azeroth over there Mm mm-hmm it's like beautiful. When you on it, I when I stepped out of that ship, the first time I stepped out of that ship, there's that little rise there where the two Draenei, they're talking about what happened to our home, you know, that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. then it's just Azeroth, like, framed right there. And it's just gorgeous. It's so beautiful. Uh, one of the people who works on World of Warcraft, and I, I, I'd have to go look for the tweet that he sent me, but one of them tweeted me and he said, you know... Uh, when we, 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 I was listening to you guys talking about this on Lore Watch, and I could not stop cackling evilly. Oh, that was Steve Denuser, uh, I think. Yeah, <laughs> it was Steve Denuser, and he was, you know, uh, I they've they've been waiting this entire expansion to do this to us. Like this has literally been like they've been they've known what they were going to do, and I think they've set it up beautifully. And I think it was really just when you when I first got there, I didn't even do the quests for like a minute. I just wandered around. I mean, I fought some stuff because you have to. It's everything. Yeah, you don't have a choice. But I didn't even, like, try and do the quest. I was just walking around looking at it going, oh, my God. Because it's like... That ridge, too. Yeah. Obviously, we're not going to be able to explore all of it. I mean, it's probably just going to be a limited area on Argus. But that little ridge where the Draenei are standing, if you look off into the distance, you can see, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. It's massive. Yeah, um, there's supposed to be three zones from what they've said. Yeah. Which is like, I don't even know, like, do they mean, like, what do they mean by three zones to explore? Like, is one of them going to be a dungeon or a raid or well, what? I don't know. But the, the interesting thing, too, and this is where, like, I guess data mining is good and bad, is there's a bunch of different biomes that were uh, sort of picked out specifically for this patch, like, varied. And I don't know if necessarily, and here's the weird thing, and I guess we'll talk about it a little more later. I don't know if we're 100% going to be Argus for the entire thing. Like, I get a distinct impression from what we see of Argus and everything else that we might actually be sort of jumping a little bit. Yeah, I couldn't tell you because there's definitely some stuff in the raid that makes me wonder. If but... you, yeah, if you look at the map, the area that mm-hmm. you're in when you first land, there's like, there's there's a couple of flight points. There's like three flight points just in that, no, four flight points in that first area, Right. But when you zoom out from that map, it's massive. There's a lot more there to it. There, it's it's a much bigger area than just that. So um, I don't I don't know how big this space is that we're in. But what I'm really excited about is that it's quests. A lot of it is just it's legit quests and not not obnoxious. Oh, go fetch you know twelve diseased bear butts or whatever. It's actual yeah. story There's... content quests. There's something Which, I remember, like, we talked about the very first time that you and I spoke 
Like the first time that Anne and I had a conversation. Yes. Other than hi, what do you you know? Who are you? Oh, hi, it's nice to meet you. We were talking about Argus because yes. that's what happens. <laughs> and Anne said something like, "I hope there's Drenai there who are fighting it, who have been fighting this whole time." And I was like, "No, come on! It's been twenty five thousand years. There's no way." I'm like, no, there's got to be a resistance force somewhere. And sure enough. Yeah. They're there. <laughs> they are there. It's like, the Army of Light, baby. Yep. No, no, not even them. No. No. The the, native, the native, just the regular natives, yeah. yeah. The, the, the Krokol are there. They've been there this whole time. And they're they, broken. Yeah. And it's just like, I was watching this going, when I got to that cave, and the villain's like, I think we're being watched. I'm like, of course we're being watched. I can hear the stealth sounds from, the, from Warcraft 3. You could see them. They're like shadowed yeah. all over the place. You could see them like like watching you. And then well, the one, and then uh, Chieftain Hatun, he shows up and he's like, you deserted us. You left us behind. And I'm like, whoa, what? <laughs> There's like yeah. resentment going on here. Yeah. And then... Yeah. Um, that whole There's, argument is busted up by the arrival of someone who caused me to scream like a little girl. Um, why don't you? Yeah, you should talk, Malcolm, because we've moved up. We we're up to him now. Yeah. So, uh, Turalian's here. <laughs> yeah. What have we? We've been seeing him on the loading screen, telling us they don't know where he is for how long now? Since he's Rath? so beautiful. Well, His we model know. is so beautiful. I don't. It's like it's like they took the revamped human model, which was really great to begin with, because I mean, when they redid the human models in Cataclysm, Cataclysm, no, Warlords. When they redid the human models in Warlords, I'm getting my years mixed up. I was shocked by how well they turned out, because human males in in classic World of Warcraft were. They were terrible. I mean, they were shaved <laughs> apes. They were they, shaved yeah. apes they with just, beards. They just didn't ever look quite right. I mean, they were okay, but at a distance, they looked all right. But when you zoomed in on that face, it was like this is this is a creature that has seen some things, and I'm not sure if it's quite human or not. So when they came out with the with the revamp models in Warlords, the humans were some of their best work, I think, particularly the human males. This is like the revamped human male model, only somebody went over it with a very fine paintbrush because Turalyon is just straight up beautiful, and there's so many details on him. Um, his model is wearing the bracelet that Alaria gave mm-hmm. him, which is just this tiny, tiny little detail, but it's there. And then Rossi, tell us about the sword. Well, for, uh, one person, um, I think it was Archmitros over on Wildhead, did some screenshots of it that pointed out, A, it looks a lot like it's kind of like a, it's similar to Ashbringer, I mean, to Ashkandi in some ways. It has certain design elements in common with it, but also it's right. broken. Like it's it's not fully there. It's broken around the bottom, and then they, like there's light that continues on to make to complete the sword. But the, the thing sword that I love about it that. is that Ashkandi, right? Ashkandi has those dragons coming off of it. Yeah, this one has two lions coming off of it. Yeah, it's just I don't even know. Like I could talk about this thing for a long, long time, and I don't want to like just belabor the entire show discussing. You know. Um, his model, I, I legit, but... I legit just freaked out. I I freaked out the second I saw him. I mean, I freaked out when we saw him in that in the Lights Hope cinematic, um, yeah. and Cadgar had that beat, and then he goes Turalyon, and I went ah, you know, okay, I yeah. but he's right here. It's... I can target him. I could poke him with my character if I wanted to. I'm just flipping out. Um, yeah, they've also got like one of the things about the sword that's really, really interesting is it's got the lions, which you know we've known about for a long time. It should be there. It makes sense for like you know a stormwind blade. But if you look at the, the the broken sword and the light going down to complete it, that's just fantastic. I mean, oh yeah, this, it's the broken sword. It's the one that got broken fighting Doomhammer. It's the one that you know it's. I'm looking at this thing right now, and not only is it incredibly detailed, but it's got that like circular part in the middle, yeah, much like Ashkandi does, and the blade flares out just like again like Ashkandi does, but like less pronounced. Yeah, and it feels like this is the one hand sword equivalent of Ashkandi. Like this would have been his, a little like, bit. This would have been his one hander, and Ashkandi would have been his two hander. And honestly, this more than anything else, this makes me think that Ashkandi is definitely changed by the dragons in some way. It's possible. Like, I think this is it what Ashkandi sense. looked like before um, I got their hands on it. Joe, you've been really quiet, and I want to let you talk for a little while, so <laughs> you talk about your first impressions here. 
Well, I mean, honestly, and, and I'll just talk about Terrellian real quick. One thing I'm going to say, and it's a word that I don't say very often with a lot of the NPCs, is he just feels regal. And it's it's one of those things where the, the whole thing, everything all together, it's just this sort of feeling of awe, of power, of sort of presence that they gave to this character, which is not a small feat. And I'm absolutely... Uh, giddy that they've done that like uh, that is fantastic and like you guys just said the attention to detail is phenomenal uh from the beginning i've been i mean you could listen back to a couple shows or well back to the beginning where i was screaming we're going to argus and how excited i was about that to everything here excited isn't the right word awestruck is really the word because all of the new character models all of the new visuals are just absolutely stunning. And one of the things I, I want to talk about too is just, and we talked about just how beautiful the scenery is. The scenery comes across like this 80s fantasy, sci fantasy scapes that you used to see on these like huge spreads for old school RPGs that I haven't seen in forever. And just seeing those blew me away because there's this weird juxtaposition in almost every way you look of light and dark which is again a whole theme here but they've done it so well that you just stare at there and there's there's not a place where it's completely dark there's not a place where it's completely light everything is interwoven and it's done so masterfully that it adds this sort of this dynamic feel that and I'm not saying this to disparage other zones that a lot of zones just don't have they they are what they are and that's it here it feels like this this war-torn place this place that has been changed in in gone through heck and back it feels just like it's a living scar and i love that i absolutely love that that feeling of walking of just seeing that for the first time and going oh man you can feel the history there you could feel all like just little bits of everything that happened and it's just it's phenomenal it's absolutely phenomenal and i'm just I'm, blown away i'm going to jump in here and uh point out that Yes, I am still logged in on the PTR right now, and I'm just kind of stealthing around to stealth around. Uh, for those wondering how how Burning Crusade are we going to go with this, there are giant walking robot demons that are basically like the demonic equivalent of a fell reaver. Yep. Yeah, I almost just ran into something called a Garothi obliterator. I don't know what it is, but it's making the whole screen shake, and it looks, like I said, it looks like... A fell reaver, only it's actual fire, and it's got the spikes and stuff coming out. I mean, the models in here are just like—they're so good. Can we talk about um, the fact that it manages to avoid the Tanon trap? It's not all one, like Joe just mentioned. Mm -hmm. It's not all one color. It's not all various types of fell green. It's vibrant. No, it's... there's there's a color palette here, mm -hmm. and it's like it's varied. It's very it, it's. Sorry, go. I mean, go ahead. But I mean, it's like it's, no. That's it's, that's what I'm saying. You know, beautiful. It's, it's not just that it's beautiful. It's also like it's extremely alien. Like you look at it, and it's like you can't imagine anything living there until you see things living there. And that's like they actually have animals running around even in the middle of all this. Mm -hmm. um, there's just I remember like when I like when I first ran into the first broken there, and I was like, wait a minute, why are they broken here? And then I realized what they were. And they have him just kind of around, and you stumble upon one, and he gives you a quest, and boom, boom, boom. And it was like, oh, my God. Like, this place is – things are living here now. Like, it's a living planet, even now. Like, yeah, oh there's, God. like, little dark rays flying around in the sky along alongside all of these, like, Sargeri warships that are just floating above, and they're floating towards Azeroth. By the way, I feel like I should also mention that – Azeroth on the horizon. It's not just Azeroth on the horizon here. It's that the planet is pivoting. If you stare at it, it's slowly turning oh, yeah. on, on its axis. It's so much. <laughs> I mean, we got a we got a glimpse. We got a glimpse of Azeroth from the top of the Black Temple. Um, if not you go out quite to, the same as this. Yeah, if you go out to Supremus's courtyard and you look up, it's like, oh, Azeroth is up there in the sky. Wow, that's crazy. And it was this big moment in Burning Crusade, right? This eclipses that because it's not just the planet. It's the planet is just all encompassing. It's huge and it's pivoting and it's a three dimensional. That's our planet. It's right there. <laughs> what, what I think is really exciting about that too is a lot of a lot of players who have been kind of scoping that out have been like trying to take rapid succession screenshots so they could put this whole panoramic view of like of Azeroth as we see it from this perspective and see if it shows any 
land masses we may not have visited yet, which looks like that there may be one or two areas that it showcases that we haven't been quite yet, which is interesting in and of itself. But it's like it, it's another breathtaking moment. And uh, just to backtrack a little bit, and and this is what Rossi touched on with the color palette. One thing I really want to talk about, too, is color balance is something that is really near and dear to me for anybody who doesn't know. I paint things as part of my living. Like this is what I do to earn money and color balance and sort of that color theory are very important to me. So when something's like really drab, I get really disinterested here. They're achieving like, like Rossi said, this alien effect through this like juxtaposition of contrary colors. And it is absolutely phenomenal. Like I'm sitting there and it's keeping my attention visually. And even when you're looking at Azeroth, there's like, I don't want to call it like a haze, but like the world that you are on bleeds into the frame too. So you have this perfect serene, you know, sphere out in the distance, but the alien world you are on the, the world that, you know, we're here to liberate or whatever, whatever you want to call it, it, it creeps into the frame and it gives you that, that sort of little sense of unease because you have these, these sort of dark purples and these sharp greens that are framing this with this, this sort of obfuscation from like almost like a, a little bit of like mist coming up from it kudos to the art team on that like seriously whoever's decision that was i want to hug you um i just i wanted that because otherwise we we could literally talk about how great it looks all day but as ian already mentioned uh Taralian and that you know i know that he he basically starts giving you quests and so forth but one of the things i want to talk about is like the two the dungeon and the raid in terms of what their lore significance are um the dungeon is fascinating to me yeah like, um i actually that was the other big thing that I wanted to talk about because we've got we've got both a dungeon and a raid. I wasn't expecting a five man dungeon. I was, was I. I, I knew about the raid. Like I knew about the raid, but I was not expecting the dungeon in all of this. Um mm-hmm. so that was kind of a surprise and it was a good surprise. I'm very happy about that surprise. It it just like I said, it wasn't it wasn't exactly I I, I didn't think that we were going to get one. So when you Let's see. What is it? The seat of the triumvirate. Yep. Triumvirate. Excuse me. I can't pronounce words today. Um, That's okay. Anyway. Yeah. There are one, two, three, four. There's four bosses in there. Um, A bunch of these names don't actually sound like anybody that I know. But that last one is um, telling. Yeah. That's interesting to me because that's an Aru. That's straight up. Yeah, the last boss is Laura, and it's L apostrophe U R A. And if that's not a Naru, I'm going to eat a hat. Maybe. Well, probably not. It, but, you know, and it's sort of an important thing because that's 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 also a theme here too. Not only are we going to see things like Naru Prime and 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 a bunch of other stuff too, like that dungeon and the idea of that the Naru being the last boss also ties into where our base of operations is essentially going to be too. Like, keep in mind here too that. Um, while these bosses, we've been given their names, a lot of them don't have descriptions or anything yet, nor do they have or, graphics. Or models. Or, yeah. yeah, there's no models or anything for them. Um, with Laura, though, the ability that Laura channels is called Naru's Lament. So we're pretty safe in our assumption here that, yes, this is a Naru. Uh, well, they have, um, I, they've, they've, there's enough in, like, I'm looking through the dungeon journal. There's just enough that you get the sense that there's lots of, Void magic in this dungeon. Yes. Well, and that, and that's a theme, right? Yeah. Like that's well, that's a thing that we. Well, I guess Anne can claim victory on. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit. What? But like they they at one point in time, like there's a whole thing about how they redeemed. Like, an, uh, I think it was a was it an old god? I think it was an old god. It was an old god by essentially suffusing it with nothing but light magic for like thousands and thousands of years and turned it back into an Aru. I don't know about that necessarily. Well, they they did that in Netherblight Temple, but it wasn't a it wasn't an old god. It was a void god. It was a void. void yeah, Sorry, it was void a void lord, yeah. lord. Which, and I mean, yeah. I've had that theory for a while there, where it's like the void lords probably their counterpart are the Naru. Well, I mean, this is this is essentially like you can claim victory. It's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like well, it might be. I don't know because, like I said, there's a lot of void stuff going on, and we know that the Naru enter a void state. Like that's just part of their life cycle. That's something that they do. And that's something that we were told like way back in Burning Crusade when you go to, well, when you do that whole quest for... Um, yeah, Ashigan, yeah. Yeah, when you do that whole quest in, for... I'm just, you know, I'm trying to remember the name of the one too. I, no, I can't remember it. Uh, what the Soul Sees, I think, is what it's called. 
Anyway, it it's not Kure, you, is it? Um, Kure is the one that's in. Was Kure the one that was in? It's either Kure or Dore. Dore. It was yeah. Dore. Anyway, so Dore or Dior. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Dior. Uh, no, so Dore is is basically said something along the same lines where it was like, this is just part of our life cycle. It's regrettable, but it's something that happens. And they aren't like particularly upset about this either way because it's just something that happens to them. It's not it's not a matter of them being corrupted or whatever. It's just something that happens to them. Um, and either Diore is really chill with this whole idea and he happens to be one of the more laid back of the Naru that we've met or this is just a natural occurrence for them, which is kind of scary to think about because what happens, you know, what does this mean for this whole celestial battle thing that we're fighting? So yeah, the seat of the, triumph- the triumvirate that that has the four bosses and everything, and that sounds like it's going to be a headquarters, like Velen's old stomping grounds. Yeah. Yeah, that, yes. that's where the three yeah. of them used to rule, right? That's it was exactly him, Kiljaden, and Archimond. Yeah, that's that's why they called it the seat of the triumvirate. They were the three that 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 ruled, and that's where they were. So it makes perfect sense. And uh, I think that's sorry. Th- go ahead. There is also a mountain of world bosses, or at least these bosses are just listed under the Argus moniker at this point, um, which tells me that we're going to have like a series of rotating world bosses. Uh, We have been told that there's going to be brand new world quests on Argus, so there's going to be new stuff to do. And I imagine that this is part of like some kind of weekly system where, you know, they'll rotate one or two of them in and out every week just like the world bosses that we have on the broken shores maybe it'll be more than one because there's one two three four five six seven there's like eight different bosses um and if they rotate on a weekly basis that's like eight weeks before we see everybody which is why i'm like are they gonna do it once a week or are they gonna just like give us you know well it's interesting too because one of them one of the world bosses uh with the brief description we have like uh, void blade zadat yeah. Um, he's directly tied with the Seated Triumvirate because yeah. uh, Viceroy Nazar or Viceroy Nazar uh, has, you know, set him to keep up. And it's a very it's a very black temple feel to that. Right. Like it's a very, yeah. you know, here, here's a Void Reaver type thing. Oops. <laughs> he's so. yeah. He's one of the few that actually has some kind of dis- description. Um, the other one is Keeper Adis. And Keeper Adis, his temporary, it says temp text in parentheses there, so this is temporary, but here's what it says. Not all of the Titan's creations chose to side with the Pantheon when Sargeras began his burning crusade. One such subject, Keeper Adis, went on to serve the Dark Titan as Herald, announcing the destruction of countless worlds. Now, if this, I think this correlates, and I was looking through a bunch of the models that they did in mind, mm-hmm. there is a... Um, and why can't I think of the name of the race? The celestial beings. Um, the consulars. The consulars. There is a consular model, a very grayed out consular model uh, that they did. They did see. It's entirely possible that we get some more info on that as well because of like those two combined. Like that would be wild. That would be absolutely wild to me. Well, what okay. I find interesting is just the implication here. Yeah. That's- that- we have a whole series of keepers and and servants and things, possibly even Titan creations that were like, yeah, you know what? Sargeras is totally right. We're on board with him that took off because there well, was that, no that, indication of any of this before. But I mean, it would make sense, right? Because if, if Sargeras was a Titan and he created things in the vein of other Titans, like even if he was their greatest warrior... I can't imagine that he didn't have a hand in creating something at some point. And while we know very little of that, it would stand to reason that there are things out there that, that I don't want to say owe him fealty, but for lack of a better term, would have sided with them because that's their creator. Or They the were words he picking said, up on what he was saying and was, saying, or they were yeah, what you, know what, yeah. you know what, that makes way more sense. That makes so much more sense. And yeah, we're totally on board with whatever you want to do, Sargeras. This just, it, it it wasn't mentioned in Chronicle even. So no. that's why I'm like, it just kind of blew my mind a little bit. Cause I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I, I, at this point, I'm going to have a stroke if we don't talk about the raid. Um, yeah. yeah. That's what I was, was, was going to move on to. We should transition. That's, that's what I was going to move on to here was the raid itself <laughs> is called Antorus, the burning throne. And the placeholder art for it is like from somewhere in wrath. I think. It's like on Cahet or something. It looks like it. Anyway, um, 
I'm going to assume that that's placeholder art. If that's not placeholder art, that's real weird that it looks like Anka Het. Anyway, uh, there are a bunch of different bosses in here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, first up, I feel like we should just point out, because this is obvious and I'm really glad that we're seeing him again, Varamathras has Have returned. you looked at the model? Oh, his model is amazing. Okay, do you remember back in Wrath when he opened that portal? Yes. And got pulled through it as a punishment? Yes. He had, wait, and the voice file was data mined as the voice of Sargeras? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking straight up that that voice was the voice of Sargeras, because it does not look like Varamathras has been having a good time. Oh, no. He He's is, been having a terrible day. He's, his model is just, you look at it, and it's, I almost feel bad for him. That's how bad he looks. <laughs> yeah. His wings are messed up. His he's, face is messed collar, up. The collar. The yeah. collar he's got. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It looks like they strapped one of those hound collars on him. It, it's, it's huge and terrible looking. And he, he is ragged. He does not have the Dreadlord. Um, he doesn't have the armor of a Dreadlord, for one thing. Oh, no. He's completely point. stripped. Yeah. Yeah. He's, Varamothras took a beating. Yeah, it's he like he, they the just armor. let him down from the rack. He's like straight up not wearing any armor at all. He looks really, really... You, you know how the demons always have those kind of beefy models? He still looks beefy, but he looks a little emaciated too. Like you could see his ribs. You can see his yeah. ribcage sticking well, out a little bit. He's got a shackle on one arm with a chain hanging off of it. And it's a broken chain, which makes mm-hmm. me wonder, are we... Are we fighting him because he's been told to fight us, or are we fighting him because we inadvertently set him free, or is he just like mad about now, what went down in wrath, or what's going to happen here? Now, another another interesting thing too is with the model as well is how fell touched he looks as well, because that's something that the you know the dreadlords don't really have in their character models because they're void sycophants, really. You know, they work for the Burning Legion, but like here, it's you can see. He was touched and in, in, in like tortured and and sort of uh, subjected to fell energies. Like he's bleeding fell from several points. Look at it, like if you look at the spikes coming out of his hooves and uh, his 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 back and everything else. Like and the clothing he does have looks like it's stapled to him. And where those the skin is pierced, it's like he's oozing fell energy. That's that's ridiculous. I love that. Yeah, Varamathos does not look good. Okay, um, there's also a bunch of uh, standard stuff. There's Garothi Worldbreaker, which looks like your standard Fell Reaver only on steroids. Hounds of Sargeras, it's like big demon dude, dogs. There's Faharg and Shatog, and they're kind of... The models on these are, are really creepy, because they've got almost humanoid arms. But yeah, uh, we have the War Council, and the War Council includes Admiral Severiax. Severiax? I don't know how to pronounce it. Or yaks. And Close then, enough. <laughs> uh, Chief Engineer Ishkar, who is uh, an Eridar, obviously a turned Eridar. He's all fell green and everything. Um, portal Keeper Hasabel, who commands the portal nexus for the Burning Legion, transporting demons to and from the front lines. So, okay, makes sense that we would go have to go ahead and take her out. Um, she looks like she's going to be a fight and a half. And then the next boss... And, um, yeah, about that next boss, that next boss is Ianar the Life Binder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to be fair, it doesn't look like we fight her. It says that mm. the forces of the Legion will warp in and charge at Ianar's essence and attempt to destroy her outright. Players must defend Ianar until she can gather her energies and strike back at her attackers. So mm. what we have here is... I don't know. Like the wrath fight with the dragon that you had Yeah, to well, that's yes. what I'm thinking is that it's going to be like a healer-based encounter, but I'm thinking like just from a lore standpoint, what we knew about the Pantheon was that their souls, when they died, their souls went to Azeroth. Okay, mm-hmm. well, Argus, is, or Argus right now is right next door, ding-dong, knock on the doorbell, whatever you want to call it, right next to Azeroth right now. So did Ianar... Did the last remnant of Enar? What happened there? Well, see, I have three is... theories. Okay, oh, go ahead. Because I have a couple theories as well. Slap them down, please, please, by all means. First, go ahead. First theory is the portal keeper. Since we have to go to the portal keeper, it's quite possible we end up porting to wherever Enar ended mm-hmm. up on Azeroth. 
and defending Ooh. her as she tries to regenerate some kind of physical form so that mm-hmm. she can interact with the with us. Theory two. We already know that some of the keepers sided with Sargeras, right? Mm-hmm. What if the essence of the Titans didn't just go to the keepers on Azeroth, but everything they made, like it's spread out throughout various keepers throughout the cosmos. So there's one on Argus that part of ANR went to. That's theory number two. Theory number three is that they've come been collecting the essences of the uh, Pantheon this whole time. Like that's the big yep. secret reason for why they hit Azeroth. They were collecting the other Titans essences because Sargeras doesn't want them dead. He's never wanted them dead. He wants them to agree with him so he can restart the universe. Yeah. He's going to ma- and that's comes the reason I think this is because of the Council of Shavara, which we'll I know we'll talk about later. But I'm getting a real heavy vibe from Sargeras that he's never wanted to kill a Titan ever. That the well, first time he did it it hurt him deeply and oh yeah, he, yeah. he's mentally unprepared for it. He doesn't know what to do. He defends the universe. He defends the Pantheon. Now he's forced to do these horrible things to save the universe. He, is, he feels he has to burn the village to save it. But he wants them to, to agree with him. And that's, so, you know, that's one of my, my theories. It's basically are based on Arthas it. purging Stratholme only mm-hmm. on a cosmic scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Well, and, and that was one of my theories that definitely overlaps with yours. The other one is this raises a very interesting question. We don't know two very specific things. One, can a Titan actually die? Like, we know that they were splintered, but we know that demons have a very specific set of conditions that have to be met in order for them to be dead. Wouldn't something in order of magnitude power greater than that be much more harder to kill, even by another Titan? So that raises some questions about that. Two, we don't know what happens to a Titan's homeworld when it is born. What if... Yeah, fragments of the Titans wound up going back down to, you know, their keepers in Azeroth to protect Azeroth. But that was a conscious decision. But what if they start regenerating back on whatever their homeworld is? We're going to be fighting a portal keeper. Nothing says we might not be able to go to A&R's home planet or one I of the other ones. another theory. Where, where, you know, she's being essentially the seed's been planted again and she's going to be born again. We don't know. I have another okay. theory. Well, I want to hear Ian's. Ian, what's your theory? You know how the aspects were imbued by part of the Titans' powers? And you know how mm-hmm. Ysera straight up died? Yep. I feel like that might have released A&R somewhere. Well, and we didn't which is know about possible. it. Because she was all gathered up into the arms of a loon and all of that. And what happened after that? Well, we don't know. But I find it interesting that it's very specifically A&R here and not any of the other ones. Well, because there's another A&R one. A&R is the one. Yeah, I know, but we're going to get to that. However, A&R was the one that Ysera was associated with. And Ysera is the only dragon aspect that kicked it. Technically not, because this expansion. also. Well, this, this expansion, expansion, but we've had. Oh, well, we've no. also had another dragon aspect that's also dead. We've had Malagos, and we've had Deathwing. Yep, we've had. Um, three guys, guys um, it's specifically going with A&R, the life binder, though. Yeah. And. We she was responsible seen... for both Ysera and for Alexstrasza. We haven't seen much of Alexstrasza this expansion. We have not. So are the aspects going to jump in again? I don't know. Um, I feel like, though, that maybe there's some connecting thread there that's going to tie these two events together. Because you can't just have an aspect die with no consequences. There's got to be something there. Beyond just, oh, well, we figured this would be an emotionally invested kind of moment, so we just decided to straight up kill her. No, there's got to be something else there. There's, I, I can't, I feel like with an event that major, that has to be a signifier for something. And the fact that A&R is showing up in this raid tells me that maybe there was a bigger connection there that we missed when Ysera died. I don't know what it is just yet, but I feel like... That's what and we're going towards. And didn't Anar was responsible for the dream as well, right? Yeah. So we just purged the dream, this expansion as well. Sort of. And kinda. We 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 mostly did. And who's flying around in the dream? Who leads us to that that little void kernel? Okay. Who who walks us over to that? It's you know that that sort of personification of essence of Ysera. right? But is that Ysera or an echo? Yeah. Or is that? Yeah, there, there's so much. There's so much that it could possibly be, and I love that. I love that so much. 
So let's fast forward here through these raid bosses, because um, Anar was pretty fascinating. We've also got Emanar, the Soul Hunter. We have Kingaroth, Fermathras, and then we have the Coven of Shivara. And the Coven of Shivara yep. actually have some temporary text here. It, it's not marked as temporary, but it may be temporary. I don't know. The description says, Shivara priestesses tasked with torturing and brainwashing the souls of the mighty titans assault mm -hmm. the raid together from within their temple, deep within the core of Argus. You see where I'm about to go with this. But yeah, no, nope, and guys talk. Just, just go there, Rossi. Okay, we got Agrimar. Agrimar is the Oh, okay. Well, I wasn't going to go there yet, but that's okay. Yeah, but it connects to this because, the next, well, because the we, next, we are very clearly fighting Agrimar. Let's, let's <laughs> flat out say it then. The next boss after the Coven of Shivara is Agrimar. And Agrimar was Sargeras's kind of second in command, his lieutenant, whatever. His best friend. His best friend. They rounded around the world, killing demons together. Mm -hmm. And when Agrimar felt the death of the Constellar that... that that Sargeras killed on the first planet that Sargeras took over with the Burning Legion, the one that he flat out destroyed. Agrimar felt the destruction of the Constellar, and he left Dranor to go see what was going on. And when he got there, he had a really long discussion with Sargeras that ended up in a really long battle. He managed to get out of that battle, run back to the Pantheon, and tell them, you guys, Sargeras has straight up gone nuts, and that's what started that final battle between the Pantheon and Sargeras. You know, Agrimar showed up with them and Sargeras flat out just straight up killed him. Killed him. Yes. but Almost cleaved him in half. But here he is and uh -huh. he's fighting us. Uh -huh. And we, he's the boss directly after the Council of Brainwashers who are near the core of Argus. And his model mm -hmm. is terrifying. Yeah. He looks messed up. Well, like, he, yeah. he does, but he doesn't look felon-fused either. Like, no, no, looks... no, 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 no. He looks messed up. Yeah. He doesn't look felon-fused at all. He's just dripping with, like, what looks like to be like lava coming out of him. Because you'd expect him to look somewhat messed up and aggressive because he's he was their warrior after Sargeras left. Here's the part that I find interesting, though. He's, like, you know, writhing with lava and all of that, and he looks very earth-elemental, which actually that's kind of almost a callback to Dranor because what did he do on Dranor? What did his champion, what did he make his champion out of? A yeah, mountain, the elements. Yep. You know, a mountain in the elements. It, it's... I, but, I, but Go that ahead. Council, that council that's brainwashing the, yes, the souls of the Titans themselves... I feel like Agrimar would have been a really good one for them to go on. Oh, especially to and, start, too. Yeah, and Sargeras would have wanted Agrimar back at his side. As his closest confidant. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. He's, you know, this Not is my friend. Not even his closest confidant. It's just, that was his buddy. They they yeah. fought. He, he, more than anyone, Sargeras saw how well Agrimar fought. I mean, they even came to blows against each other, and it was pretty evenly matched for the most part until yeah. Agrimar's weapon got broken. So, and there's uh, for uh, just as a, a nerd, quite frankly, the fact that Tesalosh is now canon makes me so happy. Uh, it gets it gets mentioned in the fight yep. notes. Yeah, but but getting back to this, when I look at Agrimar, when I look at the the idea of the Council of Shavara, it dovetails into my theory that Sargeras is essentially attempting to remake the Pantheon in his image. Yeah, yeah, and he wants he wants a fell Pantheon. Because he feels like this is the only way. We'll I'll remake you guys. You'll you'll understand things from my perspective now, and then we'll destroy the universe and we'll do it again. Well, and it makes perfect sense. And this is one of the things I was talking with some of our, our pa uh, patrons about uh, earlier in the week. It, it's he has to be lonely at some com at some core level too. Like yes, you are messed up. You just you you were forced to murder all of your friends. You were forced to murder your family, essentially, to try to convince them to, you know, in the effort of trying to convince them that you're trying to save the universe. You're trying to save all of this life Are that they all hold precious. Are you implying that all Sargeras needs is a hug? I think I partially I think that's it. <laughs> not not necessarily that it's going to stop him from wanting to destroy the universe, but I, I mean – he has to we don't know we we haven't known where he's been really for for x amount of time and it makes perfect sense that while he's been doing other things he's trying to again rebuild that pantheon you bring guys, them over to his size it's it's it makes sense you guys know about the sunk cost fallacy right yes you know the basic idea that if you you know i can't stop now i've already done so much Sure. If I if I stop now, it's worth I, it was all for nothing. But if I keep going, and that's how people end up gambling away their, like all their money. 
because you know I'm already down fifty thousand, but if I if I can just make it back, I feel like Sargeras is like that with this whole Titan thing, where he's already done in his in his Titan head, he's already done so much that there's no way back. Like he has to keep going, even though it's terrible. Then step by step, it's it's pretty much Arthas too. I, I really feel like there's a lot of you know mm-hmm. similarities between Sargeras and Arthas here. And Arthas throughout Northrend is constantly trying to get you to do more and more stuff because he's trying to prove that anybody would do that in his. You know what I mean? There's that well, that sunk cost feeling where he's trying to prove that he was not wrong and that anybody in his situation would have done the same thing. Well, there's there's also a little bit further than that too. One of the things we know he's fixated on on Azeroth in 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 whatever capacity, and here's an interesting thing too: if Azeroth wakes up and the only Titan that Azeroth interacts with is Sargeras, and he starts you know saying all of these things, the nature of the Titan, which is a very ordered nature, that alone might be enough for Azeroth to go. I don't really know. That doesn't sound right. But what happens if you have six other Titans? That what are happens like, if no, it's he's the entire absolutely pantheon. right. If yeah. it's the entire pantheon says, yeah, he's absolutely right. We're doing what needs to be done. You need to come join us. You then have a, a, an entire group that's telling what is supposed to be the most powerful Titan uh, to be born. Yes, this is a good idea. He is right. He knows what he's talking about. We got to go now. Let's go do this. As opposed to, like I said, just one where that could write him off. This could be part of that as well, where he knows that he's going to have to convince uh, Azeroth whenever Azeroth is eventually hatched that he's in the right so um on that topic of things hatching and stuff happening we have to talk about the final boss of this raid because agrimar is not the final boss the final boss has no description no overview no idea of its abilities we just have a name and that name is argus the unmaker yeah what yeah so (laughs) we and since Ian, Ian mentioned this, so we have to tie it together. The, the Coven of Shivara mm-hmm. is at the core of the planet. Yes. What what comes out of the core of planets? The world soul that we said that Argus didn't have because it said that it didn't have yeah, but, one. But that yeah, it doesn't have to have one. What if you can put one in it? What if there was a transplant? Which what if that's where Sargeras went doing. after he got the axe? <sighs> okay, yeah, I don't so. What let's, if, Sar- let's what let's if Sargeras down. figured out how to make more Titans? Guys, let's let's calm down. Let's take a breath. Let Anne go first because I, I feel like she's going to. No, burst I'm it. like I'm I'm out of words here. I'm just like yeah. what? Yeah, I did. You seen the model that everyone thinks is is Argus the Unmaker? I have not. Very Amanthulish, isn't it? No, Amanthul's model is there too. There's a different model. Amanthul is straight up a, a dude in a dress. Like they they have. I have not. Group. I have not seen this model that everybody is saying might be Argus. Um, if you happen to have it to link into Skype, that would be great. But I am going to link to the place where it is. Okay. Uh, can't individually link it, but okay. Well, yeah. you can go ahead and do that, and I'll take a look at it. But in the meantime, just just the implication, just just the implication here. The implication is that. This planet that we're running around on, the one where we're like, wow, it's such pretty scenery. It's all this other stuff. Da, 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 da. There's something inside of it that's going to kill us if we have to fight it. Like, what? Yeah. Really? It's, it's really, really... I, I When I saw this, when I saw that name, my first thought was, say what? And then I immediately was like thinking of all the different ways this could be. Like, all the different possibilities of what we're going to find. Is it some Titan creation that was left there? Like some doomsday weapon? Is it the soul world soul? Because the Council of Shavar really sets it up to be a world soul. You know? Yeah. And it's like, has he had the Council of Shavar basically brainwashing this world soul for like, you know, 25? Did he come to Argus not for the Draenei at all? Like, did he come not looking for them? Not particularly interested in them? Did he come for the world soul? Did he basically or, induct, did he make the Eridar, the Eridar to help brainwash it? But, yeah, but that's, that, and that's where I'm going, like, if we, if we go on the assumption that Argus never had a world soul, but Ur- Argus was this, this place where it was a magical center, it was a crux, it, this, this point where, like, this massive amount of magical energy was there with these practitioners of this uh, magic that were so good that they could just, they just, they lived and, and, and breathed it. Like, that was everything. 
and we know that there's sort of the, the living crystals that embody that as well. What if it didn't actually have a world soul, but what if he's figured out literally how to make a world soul? Because we don't know how world souls are. We just think that they're naturally occurring. What if he's cracked the code? What if he's figured that out? What if he's figured out how to spark that life? Argus would be a great place to start that just because of all the arcane energies, which Titans are an arcane force, right? They're an arcane force of order. That would make perfect sense. The first of a brand new pantheon of his creation. Ugh, I'm just, I'm like out of words on that one. Um, Rossi, do you have anything else to fill in with here? I just, every time I look at the model, uh, I keep thinking about this. Like, it, it's a very, it's similar to Agrimar in some ways. Yes. It has very it's much. Similar to many of them. Well, yeah. The, the fact is that there's models for all of them. And that's sure. in of itself, by itself, that's amazing. Like, yeah. it's getting to see Norganon. Like, I've been dealing with lore keepers of Norganon since I started playing this game. Seeing Norganon himself is just like, what? what is this going to be? Is it going to, you know, these guys could be for a cutscene. They could be for, like, an animation. I don't know what they're for, you know? I don't know if they're going to pop well, up. Well, A&R, A&R looks absolutely gorgeous, and I wish mm-hmm. we could have yeah. that hair on our character models. Anyway. Yeah, um... there's a lot of really, like, I honestly... I don't know why we assume Argus didn't have a world soul. Like, I don't know why we think that. Was um, it in Chronicle? I don't remember. We had talked about it before. We talked about yeah, Argus yeah. having a world soul, and then we kind of dismissed it. And I feel like we dismissed it. Like, there was a legit reason that we dismissed it. Either it was yeah. something in Chronicle, or... I mean, we knew that we knew that Draenor didn't have a world soul, because it very specifically said that Draenor didn't. I don't remember them ever actually saying Argus didn't. I don't think that they did. Yeah, so... But, I mean... You could very easily imagine them trying to, you know, I could easily imagine Argus, I mean, using Joe's idea for a moment, I can imagine Sargeras actually trying to do, like, looking at um, Argus and saying, okay, Azeroth had the most arcane power of any planet, but this planet is pretty good. Like, these people have tons of arcane power. If I warp them to the fell, they won't be using it anymore, and I can direct it into the planet. I can try and create the basic idea of a Titan. I can try and, you know, effectively artificially create one that's one possibility another possibility is simply that you know he's been doing this on every planet he came to you know maybe he's been trying this this whole time like we don't we've never been privy to sargeras's motives and we don't know what happens we we assume that the worlds are destroyed that the legion touched but we know know scouring all the life that's we, we indeed and scouring all of the life from a planet and then moving on to the next if you have nothing taking up whatever that planet needs to sort of blossom into that world soul, like we know we've, we've known that like how spirit affects we, how it affected Draenor. We know how it affected Azeroth and that comes from living creatures. What if that was part of the game plan too? wipe out everything that's living? That planet then becomes, you know, yeah. prime experimentation material. I mean, he may be trying like, you know, he thinks he has to go wage war against the void Lords. Ultimately, that's his goal. Yeah, what he knows he does. Right. What if he's trying to make an army? The Void Lords want to corrupt a Titan. I'll give them all the Titans they can take. I'll make as many Titans as I can. And and we do know that he and we've and you've talked about this before. You've mentioned how he at his heart or at his core is a general. Yeah, exactly. This is a combatant. This is a guy who thinks tactically and strategically. He doesn't he's not he's not. I don't know. It's I'm looking at this looking at this Argus the Unmaker. Why is he the Unmaker? Like, is he what, what is, is he, he unmaking? Un, yeah. What is he to unmake? Is he for the entire universe? Are we running it? Is this another, you know, Ultraxian situation where Deathwing made Ultraxian to unmake, you know, the, the entire world? Is this like that, but for the universe? Like, what is going on here? I'm, I want so bad to know what's going to happen that I, I'm literally <laughs> kind of twitching. Like, okay. I want to know what these models are for. I want to know what we're going to see here. I definitely think that there's a world soul in Argus one way or the other. So it even kind of looks like a Draenei a little bit. So it does. I hate to interrupt here. But no, no, I'm done. Go reaching ahead. the end of our of our established time. Um, basically, what you can take away from all of this, and I, like I said, we weren't really structured today. We were just kind of all over the place with talking about the 7.3 PTR. Uh, the PTR itself, there are several sections to the quests that are available, and they aren't all unlocked yet. So right now, I think they said that it's just like the first section of lore quests and things like that are available, and the other ones will unlock over time when they open them up for more testing, that kind of thing. 
um, if you aren't on the PTR, you might want to hop on because there's a lot, a lot of lore stuff here to look at and just the implications are mind-boggling. We haven't you... even touched any of the quests that are happening because yeah. we don't really need to. The raid and the dungeon <laughs> itself offered... I mean, there are so many questions. <laughs> well, you had said you wanted them to do another Suramar, and that's why 7.2 felt a little underwhelming to you? Yeah, this. I think this is going to be Suramar only on another level. It's like getting another yeah. Broken Isles, almost, it feels like. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And I haven't gotten that far into it, but it, it legit, it feels like they've just given us three more zones on the Broken Isles that we didn't know we were going to get. Mm-hmm. Um and it feels almost like it's an expansion in and of itself, kind of. like It's it's like another mini one on yeah. top of everything. So I have a feeling that 7.3 is going to be in there and being tested for quite some time here. Obviously, the Tomb of Sardgaris just came out. The way that they've been working things um, with with content releases like this is that we get the patch, and then we get a, a raid, and then that raid is being released on... LFR or whatever over a period of time Tomb of Sargeras I don't think that LFR is going to see the end of Tomb of Sargeras until the end of the summer Yeah I think it's something like like August Yeah and I don't think that we'll see 7.3 on live servers until that point I would be surprised if we saw 7.3 before September. I'm going to say it right now. I, yeah, 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 I would agree. Yeah, I would be very surprised. So there's a and, lot here. And yeah. if you if you haven't ever hopped on a PTR before, I highly recommend doing so if you're a fan of lore and you just want to help test stuff out because they always need people to test things and make sure that stuff isn't broken and make sure that when stuff does come out for release, it looks good. Um, I would recommend doing that if you've never done it before. It's just, it's kind of like a little mini beta sort of thing situation. It's fun. Uh, so that's going to wrap us up. Next time when we come back, I promise it will not be another spoiler-laden episode. We will be talking about something else that won't require a spoiler warning and people potentially missing out on stuff. But really, I mean, can you blame us, guys? Like, really, can you blame us? We had to talk about this. <laughs> if we weren't ending this show now, we would probably go another hour. <laughs> I could easily go another hour, but I'm not going to because I have other things I need to get to today. Uh, It's a holiday weekend for me. I want to get some sleep. (laughs) So, yeah. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast for the queue, and an ads-free site experience. And for you guys, listeners of Blizzard Watch, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. They do have many of the Warcraft novels available as audiobooks, and you can get that as your free download. If you'd like to do that, you can go to blizzardwatch.com slash audible, sign up for your 30-day trial and get your free book. Um, Final thoughts. Guys, I just, I have to ask, do you think we are going to see Azeroth by the end of this expansion? And I don't mean the Mm. planet that is there on the horizon. I mean the world soul that's inside it. Do you think we're going to see that before this expansion is out? Rossi? No. No? I'm keeping it to that because otherwise I would talk for 20 minutes. Okay. No. <laughs> Joe, same question. Same answer. I don't think we're going to see Azeroth by the end of this expansion. Okay. Not even a little glimpse? No. Not I even mean, a peeky well, peek? The one thing we are going to see is Talbooks because apparently there's Talbooks on Argus. Yes, there are still. They're hardy which, creatures. Which is weird to me. But yeah. <laughs> that wraps us up for Lore Watch. Thanks, you guys, so much for listening, and we will see you in two weeks. Bye.